0: Amen. Amen. Come on. Can we exalt the Lord with a hand clap of praise? Thank God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. It is so good to see everybody today, even though we are in the cafeteria. But where there are two or more gathered in his name, there he is. There he is right here in our midst. Praise God. Listen, our New Life kids, we're going to go and let you guys, since you're standing, take off. You're going to go to the back there and exit with our New Life kids leaders today. And parents, you don't have as far to walk today to reclaim your children after church because the classrooms are a tad closer to the cafeteria than they are the gymnasium. And as you guys take your seat, why don't you look to your left and to the right and say hello to someone near you. Well, it is certainly good to see you guys. Thank you guys for being with us today. If you're new here, my name is Jeremy Smith. I'm the senior pastor here at New Life Church, and we welcome you this morning. Uh, If you are new, we don't always meet in here. We have a gymnasium that we also convert into a sanctuary. As you saw, all the construction on the front end, uh, a new roof is being put on. Finally, praise God. Yep. Um, And um, so we're thankful for that. But we will... planning to have to meet in here again another week. We're hoping it won't extend beyond that, but um, we'll do what we have to do to be able to continue to gather uh, together as a church and worship together. So um, listen, I'm so thankful for our church. I'm so thankful for the people who who do so many things and um, so many people that made this happen today to set up and make this this work. And uh, so let's just take a second and look around each to your neighbor. You may not know them, and you may, but just tell them, I'm thankful for you. Just tell them, I'm thankful for you. Thank you. <laughs> well, listen, um, today we will not have the verses on the screen. <gasps> What are we going to do? Hopefully, if you do have your, you have your actual Bible or you have a smart device that has a, a Bible app on there, then uh, you can use your thumbs and your fingers today uh, to flip and turn and click. So I'm going to ask you to, we're going to look at two main texts to set today's message up, and that's going to be first in Colossians 3 and then Romans 8. Colossians 3 and then Romans 8. I'll give you just a second to get there. And if you're watching online, you're able to join us today online. We are thankful you are doing that. You see, we are in the cafeteria, and um, hopefully you guys will be able to join us in person if you're watching from a distance today. I want to share today a minute, uh, or excuse me, um, well, before I tell you what I want to share, I want to read these verses, and then we'll, we'll set that up. Colossians 3, verse 11, it's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. And this happens to be our uh, founding verse at New Life Church. Colossians 3.11. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, in this new life. Can you guys say new life? In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And that he lives in all of us. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Now flip over back to Romans chapter 8. It's a pretty well-known portion of scripture. Verse 28. Paul writes again in the middle of his letter here. It says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called According to his purpose for them. One more time. And we know that God. Causes everything. To work together for the good. Of those who love God. And are called according to his purpose. For them. Let's pray over today's word. Lord thank you so much for your word. It's not just words on a page. But it's your word. It's what you inscribed. It's what you gave inspiration to. It's what you speak today to your people. It gives us hope. It gives us direction. It gives us guidance. It brings conviction. It helps us to know which way to go. It speaks to us. It's life-giving. Every scripture is life-giving. Today, bring it to life in our day and time. Bring it to life in our own moment today. Help us to gain from it what we need and help it to impact us where it needs to work. We honor you today. Fill my heart, fill my mouth with your word, Holy Spirit. We honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Listen, I want to talk to you today for a few minutes about uh, this thought of refocus my vision. Refocus my vision. The word refocus means to concentrate, to, to direct one's attention and efforts towards something. And what does What is it we need to be focused on? Where do we need to concentrate? Where do we need to direct our attention and our efforts? And that is to come back to what is, should be, and who should be center in our life. You know, from time to time, we have to recalibrate our senses uh, because we're so exposed to so many things in life. So many things can come at us from every direction, especially in our modern time, uh, our postmodern world, really, where there are so many happenings going on and so many things that are at our, um, at our disposal to be able to hear, to be able to see, to be able to touch, to be able to feel, to be able, all these things happening so fast. It was like that the other day this week as we got the news on late Thursday that we were going to have to do something different than be in the uh, gymnasium. And so it just, at that moment in time, I'm standing there hearing the words from the contractor, you guys need to plan for at least two Sundays to not be in there. We thought we were going to have more time to plan. We didn't. And all of a sudden, things just went into hyperspeed. And it was like, I got home that evening, and I was like, I don't know what happened today, but it feels like so many things happened today. So many things took place today. And, 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 and it just, so many things were going on, and, and the, it was a whirlwind. But when life happens like that, if we're not careful to come back and take time to remember what's important, We'll allow all of the things going on around us to affect our senses, our spiritual senses, if you will, and get us off track, get our minds going down a road and a path that they don't need to go on uh can cause us to start start seeing situations the way not the way God intends to start seeing relationships in a way not the way God intends and so we have to take time to refocus our vision and these first two verses I read Colossians 3 and Romans 8 making Christ the center of our life here at New Life Church, that's really what we're aiming to be about. A church that makes Christ Jesus the center of our life, of our church, and of our community. And Paul expounds that, hey, in life, if God is able to work everything out for the good for those who love God. And those who are called according to his purpose. Meaning, it gives the, the understanding of that, of that word called according to his purpose is not just I believe that, but it's one who is actively engaged in God's purpose for their life. So if we're actively engaging what God wants for us and not what we think we should have or what we think we should do, God has a way of bringing things around and working things and situations out in our life. It may not always be to our liking sometimes. It might be discomforting. It might be uncomfortable. It might not be what we had thought. But if we love God and we are actively engaged in what God wants for our life, then we're on board. And we can be on board with it. And we can cause ourselves to get to a place to be good with what God has for us. And it's about making Him the center and keeping Him the center. It's about living in such a way that our lives reflect Jesus so much so that those around us see that and they also want to make their life focus around Jesus. You know, that's really the essence. Of what the Great Commission is about—to go into all the world, preach the good news—to be able to live as a witness for Christ, an image of Christ, a representative of Christ, an ambassador for Christ—other language throughout the New Testament that Paul and others use—and so from time to time, though we have to, we have to make sure we we, we pause and we. Uh, maybe at the end of the day, maybe at the beginning of the day, maybe throughout the day, maybe at the end of a week. is certainly like what we do on Sundays when we gather as a church. It's a time to recalibrate, to refocus our vision, to make certain that life is headed in the direction that honors God. And God gives us chance. He gives us opportunity. He gives us moments to do that. That's the greatness of him. That's the goodness of him. And today I want to just share, I want to talk about three Old Testament examples and then sum it up with a New Testament version of how God can refocus our vision and how sometimes we need to be in a place where we can let him refocus our vision. We're going to look at Moses, we're going to look at Joshua, and we're going to look at Samuel. So I'm going to give you these if you want to kind of thumb them and earmark them we will be first Exodus 3. Exodus 3. Then Joshua 1. And then 1 Samuel 16. Let's look at Exodus 3. We're going to look at Moses. We're picking up in chapter 3. This happens after Moses... After he was raised in Pharaoh's palace, after he left Pharaoh's palace, and he was running away. He ran away because he, his temper got the best of him. He made really some wrong choices. He, he went out one day as he was older, and he saw, his, saw the Hebrew people where he's from. Even though he was raised in Pharaoh's palace, he went out and wanted to see his people. Wanted to see what was going on. He saw this argument between the Egyptian and Hebrew. And saw what was going on. And he killed the Egyptian. And the next day he came out to check on people. And he saw two Hebrews arguing and fighting. And, he's, and, the, and he was about to break it up. And they said, what are you going to do to us? What you did to that Egyptian? He didn't know anybody saw that. He didn't, nobody, he didn't know anyone was paying attention to it. And he freaked out. He's like, oh, dang. And he leaves. He leaves. He runs. And he goes to the Moab, he hides in the desert, he ends up getting married, he ends up moving on with his life a little bit, and he's taking care of his father-in-law's sheep and his flock. And we pick up in chapter 3, verse 1 says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, the amazement was, it didn't burn up. It was not consumed. He's asking, why isn't that bush burning up? That does not make any sense. He says, I must go and see it. And then when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses replied, here I am. This was one of those moments where God was getting the attention of someone, someone by the name of Moses. And he was getting his attention because God knew what he wanted to do with Moses' life. And he speaks to him from a burning bush, the bush on fire, okay, but the bush was not being consumed. It did not burn into ashes. It was not consumed. And Moses was like, something's not right with that bush. That thing should be burnt. Crispy. Anybody like crispy bacon? Mm-hmm. I like that crispy bacon too. And it was be burnt. And he was like, this is not right. So he's like, I need to go see. And as he goes to see, you follow me? As he turns to look and to see... God speaks to him and calls him by name twice. Anybody ever been called by your full name by an elder? Particularly mama or daddy? Call you by your full name? You know if they call you by the full name, you ain't doing something right. (laughs) Something's about to go down. I'm about to get your attention. God calls Moses twice. He said, Here I am. And then he get, begins this dialogue with Moses to talk to him about his future. Moses was in a place. Where he thought he was just minding his own business. He tried to put the past behind him. And he was like, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just going to do my thing. I'm not thinking about what happened years and years and years ago. I'm just here. I'm married. i got a family. I'm taking care of my father-in-law's flock. I'm out here in the wilderness. We're just going to do our thing. I'm going to lay low. I'm not going to say much. I'm not going to get much attention. But God knows how to get our attention. God knows how to get our attention. But he gets our attention. He wants our attention. Not... To punish us. He gets our attention to free us. He gets our t- uh, t- attention. To turn towards his purpose. To put him. And to keep him. Center. And so that's what he does with Moses. And he begins to outline what he's called him to do. To be this deliverer of God's people. To go back to Pharaoh's palace. And to tell them to let God's people go. And it goes through the whole exodus. The whole story. Read it. It's. Pretty interesting. But it gets Moses' attention. But I think this part here in chapter 3 with the burning bush, Moses taking the time to look and to be amazed by it, happens because of how Moses was first set apart. In chapter 2, it talks about him being born and how Pharaoh had ordered that all the males under a certain age be be thrown into the... all the newborns be thrown into the Nile River. But Moses' mother made a floating basket preserved him set him apart set him apart and time goes on he was pharaoh's daughter sees him in the river saves him recognizes maybe this is a hebrew child long story short he ends up being fine raised in pharaoh's house and then the rest goes on and catches up to where we are but he was set apart he was set apart. Someone took the time. to take. Someone took the time and the, and the intentional effort to pray over and to cover and to dedicate someone else to the Lord. There's a time in all of our lives where we come to a place. We can recognize that there was someone before us who took the time to pray over us. To, pr- to believe for us, to get to this place where we are. But like Moses, sometimes we have, we let things get the best of us. We let our temper get the best of us. We let quick decisions, hasty decisions, poor decisions, all these different things get the best of us. And it kind of can leave us in this unsure place of life. But God shows up in a burning bush May not be a literal burning bush, but we all can have burning bush moments where God will show up to get our attention so that he can refocus our vision to make him and to keep him the center of our life for the purpose that we are called. Moses, short story there, that I, and long story made short. Let's look at Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1 verse 1 says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. And he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on the land that I've given you. And he goes on to outline that. Verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Again, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them. Do not turn either to the left or to the right. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study the book of instruction continually. Meditate on it. You will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and and succeed in all you do. Verse 9. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. And some translations add "and do not be anxious. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua up until this point was the right-hand man of Moses. He was his assistant. He was with him all, everywhere he went. He was raised up there, and he knew what he was doing. He knew where Moses was going. He knew what he would think. He knew how, what kind of decisions he might make. He kind of, he knew, there was so many things that he knew. But here he is, he found himself in this place. And the Lord said, look, the time has come for you to lead these people across the Jordan into the promised land that I have given you. And he tells him, hey, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged and do not be anxious. Do not be afraid. He tells him those similar thoughts three times. And I'm just kind of rolling with this a little bit. I wonder if he had to tell him not to be afraid because numbers outlines in chapter 13 talks about the day and time when Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land to go check it out. Go spy it out and see what's there. And they did, and they came back. And out of the 12, only two were super stoked and excited that, hey, yes, we can do this thing. That was Joshua, and that was Caleb. The other 10 were not. And they tried to convince the people, hey, there may be giants in the land. There's enemies in the land, but look at the size of these grapes. They're huge. In fact, they're so big, they had to be carried on a pole between two people. So, look, that's that's what's ahead of us. What, what God has over there is greater than what we are experiencing here. Yes, we're going to have to deal with some things. Yes, we're going to have to walk through some things. Yes, you're going to have to contend. But we are able. We are well able to get and to have and to possess what God has for us. But they turned it down. They turned it down. Maybe at this point in time, Joshua needed to be reminded, hey, you don't have to be afraid. I know the last time, they were, there were naysayers. There were some negative people around. There were people who did not think you could do it. But here you are. It's your choice. It's your chance. It's your opportunity to take, to take the lead here. I'm calling you and I've commissioned you to do this, Joshua. You can do this. So don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged, Joshua. Maybe he was having a hard time with the death of Moses. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he was like, but I don't have my, my father figure here. I don't have my, my mentor. I don't have my leader here anymore. And you're telling me it's on my shoulders, but man, I sure miss Moses. Come on, God. He's the dude with, with the staff, stuck it in the Red Sea, and it parted, and we all walked on dry ground. He's the guy that just... He hit a rock, he spoke to a rock, and then he told him not to hit a rock, not to hit it, and, he, and just to speak to it, and then things went bad. I, that's Moses. What am I going to do? Don't be discouraged. Don't be anxious. I know you've already kind of outlined, you've already kind of went ahead years ago, and you saw the, the, the landscape of this of this new land that I've told you about, but... Listen, I know you may not know fully what's out there, fully in the future. You have a known direction, but an unknown layout of what I want you to do. But don't be anxious. Anybody ever get anxious over the unknowns? You don't have to raise your hand. You can. Appreciate that sincere, 100% honesty. (laughs) Thank you. Well, if you're going to be honest, I'm going to be honest too. I get anxious about the unknowns. Sometimes my mind will start to think 15, 20 years down the road about my children and how they're going to grow up and how they what will they have this? Will they have that? Will they have everything they need? Is there anything I can be doing now that can help them down the road? And I start to realize, and I start to think, well, what if I don't as much as all the planning and all the preparing, but what if I come up short in certain areas? And Lord's got to bring me back to here and like, Hey, I got the future. In fact, Jesus taught it so well in the, In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, he said, Hey, don't worry about tomorrow. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the lilies of the field. Look at that. I love you more than that. And they're taken care of, they're clothed, they're provided for. Let your heavenly Father prepare prepare and provide for you because he will. And he ends it with Hey, seek first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So don't be anxious, Joshua. You may not know everything that's out there. But as long as you are seeking me, keeping me center, I will make things work out the way they need to. I think this was possible here, Joshua being able to have this opportunity. Because of something that took place back in Exodus. I'm going to turn to it. You don't have to go there. Just for time. But it's Exodus 33 verse 11. It said inside the tent of meeting. The Lord would speak to Moses. Face to face. As one speaks to a friend. And afterward Moses would return to the camp. But the young man who assisted him Joshua. Would remain behind in the tent of meeting. I've read that a few times and that always sticks out to me. That I think Joshua was able to accept his calling and his purpose because of what he did in private. He was not just a public leader and a public figurehead. But he was one who spent time privately seeking the Lord. And I just want to add today that if you and I want to be able to know what God has for us and to be able to have faith and hope to jump into that and live it out, then we need a private life with God as well. We need to carve out our own time to where, like Joshua, we linger a little bit in the presence of God on our own. And whatever that looks like for you, however that is mapped out for you, it's not always going to be the same for every single person. But the thing about it is the intention of our heart to set time aside, to spend time with God, to read his word, to begin to pray his word over our life, to begin to communicate with God, begin to pray and talk to the Lord about life and about whatever and allow him to speak back to you. Like Joshua, he stayed behind. And I think him staying behind in those days prepared his heart to be able to take leadership role that God had carved out for him down the path down the future. And there are things for you and me that God has set for us in the future that right now in our private time, he's preparing us. He's setting us up. He is getting us in a position to be able to accept that and walk that out and live that out down the road. When you graduate high school, when you graduate college, when you get married, when you have kids, when you take this new job, when you are promoted to another one, or you quit this one to take another one because you believe that's where God has wants for you or whatever it might be in life. That God has set up for us. You and I are only able to do it. In an honorable way before him. Because you and I take the time now. To dedicate and to keep him center. In our life. That's Joshua. That's one angle of it. Let's look at one more. In the Old Testament. It's First Samuel chapter 16. You guys with me today? First Samuel 16, it's about Samuel. And what what is about to happen happens because currently there was a a king, his name was Saul. Saul was chosen by the people to lead. Up until that time there were judges that were appointed. They wanted a king to be like other countries. Samuel was in charge, the lead prophet to make these things happen. And he believed in Saul. He anointed Saul, he commissioned Saul, he appointed Saul, he put him in place and set up this whole new way of doing things. But Saul had gotten to a place. In fact, Saul was so he was victorious everywhere he went. He said he was he conquered and he saved Israel from everyone who had plundered them. Do I need to change mics or probably where's that? At? Where's your hand held at Brandon? I'll switch over. All right. We'll try to avoid that noise. And so Samuel was at a place and where Saul was at. He had disobeyed God. He had gotten to a place where he was completely irreverent. He had become prideful, full of himself, and, and just thought he could, he could determine, okay, God gives me instructions, but I can interpret it this way and do it my way. And he found himself... In a, in, a, in a really bad place. And God spoke to Samuel and said, Hey, Samuel, uh, excuse me, Saul's gonna be rejected as king. And we pick up in chapter 16, verse 1 says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. It's mourning over Saul. So other translations put that in a question, how long will you mourn for Saul? And this translation puts it as a statement, you have longed, you have mourned long enough. Here he was mourning over Saul he, he, he had a heart for him. He, he had believed in him, and Saul had let him down and let the people down. He was choosing his own path. This kind of represents the former, the old, and the past that God was saying would no longer be around. In other translations, it says that God speaks to Samuel, and he said, I have spotted the next king. It's one of Jesse's sons. I have spotted him. You know, some, the vision of God for our life and our future is so crisp and so clear and so perfect to God, but to us, it can sometimes be a little fuzzy and in some cases a lot fuzzy, but God is able to refocus our vision to be able to see what is ahead like him If we'll let him. But like Samuel, we have to be willing to let go of what was. We have to be willing to let go of our past. We have to be willing to let go of former. We have to be willing to let go of the old. And we have to be willing to embrace what is new in the Lord's eyes for our life and what is possible to become. And that's where Samuel found himself. In fact, the whole nation of Israel was right here. Pivotal right here on what Samuel would do, the prophet. And and God spoke to him in such a strong way. Hey, you have mourned long enough. Or how long are you going to actually sit around and mourn over Saul? He's like, he's not going to be the king. I'm just going to tell you that right now. That's not going to happen. Saul has shown himself, and he's not repented. He will not move forward as king. At some point in time, it will come to an end. I have seen... I have spotted the next king of Israel in Bethlehem. In fact, he's one of Jesse's sons. And he says, I want you to get up and go there because you're going to go and anoint him. It's not his time to be, take the throne just yet, but it is his time to be recognized and anointed for it when the time does come. There are some things in our life where it may not be for now, but if we will dedicate our heart and dedicate our life and give God the center of our life, at some point in time, that time will come when it's time for us to take our place in that new thing that he has for us. I don't know what it is for each one of us, but there are always levels and stages and seasons of life that God takes us to and takes us through, but he prepares us ahead of time for them. But it's up to us to dedicate our life and keep our hearts and allow him to be center in all of it. And that's where Samuel found himself. No longer, you will no longer mourn over Saul. That's over with. You need to get your vision lined up with my vision, and you need to get with my program and my purpose for what I have, because what I have is actually what is better, is what is best. And I know sometimes it feels like we don't, we, it, it's hard to trust God sometimes in those places of of doubt and those places of unseen, those places that we don't really understand how it's all going to work out. But man, when we just give ourselves fully to the Lord and trust him and fall into his arms of grace, he has a way of holding us and keeping us. As Romans eight twenty eight says, for those who love God, God can work it out for our good. For those who are actively engaged in his purpose, he can work it out for our good. He always has a way. He always has a way. And I think for Samuel, this began early on and early in the first part of 1 Samuel, the, 1 Samuel 3. Samuel was born and dedicated to God. And he was serving the priest Eli at that time. And he was a young child, a young man, learning the ropes of serving in the house of the Lord. And one, one, just to make this story short, he went to bed one night. He was lying, lying down and he heard the voice, Samuel. He got up, he thought it was Eli, the priest called him. So he runs into where Eli is and he says, yes, sir, did you call me? And Eli rolls over, he's like, no, I didn't call you, go back to bed, let me alone. He goes back to bed, the voice again, Samuel, when he gets up, goes back to Eli, he thought it was Eli, Eli, did you you call me? No, I didn't call you, go back to bed. Does it a third time and he he goes to Eli and Eli, Eli says, oh, I think God's trying to speak here because it had kind of said earlier in that time that the, the voice of God was rare, the visions of God was rare, there was not a lot happening. And he's like, I think God's trying to speak. So he tells Samuel, when you go back this time, if the voice comes again, sit up and say, your servant is listening. And so that's exactly what he does. He lays back down, voice says again, Samuel, and he sits up and he goes, your servant, Lord, is listening. You know, I believe if we want to hear God's voice, we just need to tell him, I want to hear your voice. I'm listening. I am listening. Speak to me. Speak to me. I really am sincere, God. I need to know your direction. I need to know your reassurance. I need to know that you got me. I just need to know that you're with me and that I am with you. And I think for Samuel in chapter 16, for him to be able to receive such a strong message from God, hey, quit mourning over Saul. He had to first have a heart to want to listen to the voice of God. Because sometimes if we're not really ready and God tries to speak such a stern direction to us, we may not want to hear it. And we may not be apt to want to follow through with it. But we have to refocus our vision. Sometimes God will take us to places, get us to places to where our focus will be what he wants us to see. And we'll sum this up in the New Testament, Luke chapter 5. I'll let you get there, Luke chapter 5. This particular story is also said in Matthew's gospel and Mark's gospel. Luke 5 says, verse 36, Jesus gave this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined. The new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine "...into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst, the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say." No one who drinks the old seems to even want the new. They're happy with the old, as long as they got it coming as long as they can taste it, as long as they have it, why bother with the new stuff, even though the new stuff is better than the old stuff. So you cannot put new onto old and you cannot put new into old. What you need is a new container. And that's the awesomeness of God is Jesus doesn't just come to patch our life up, to fill in a few holes. And like This roof that's being put on, it's being stripped all the way down. And an entire new roof is being put on. You see, what we found out was, what had happened was, there was some many layers put on that roof years ago that they should have taken the old stuff off. But instead, they just put new on top of old, new on top of old. And it didn't work. Oh, it concealed it for a, for a period of time, but time will tell. Time will tell. And now, the good news is, the reason it took so long is because you've got insurance and you got contractors, and the contractors say this is the right way to do it, and the insurance has said, but it's cheaper. So that's what happened back then. But now, you get a good old contractor working for you. It might take you a little longer. We might have to meet in a cafeteria. And it looks really ugly out there right now. But sometimes it has to get ugly before it can get pretty. Sometimes you have to go through the strain. Sometimes you have to go through the inconvenience in order to get the greater what God has. And if you don't have the right vision, what happens typically? You give up. You give up. And man, if you give up too soon, you just never know what you might have missed. You just never know. So I want to encourage you today as we come to a close. The temptation to quit to give up to give up on relationships to give up on financial making things better to give up on your job to give up on your calling to give up on what god has for you where you are right now may not look like the life you thought it should be or all played out the way you had planned for it to be i, I this is, I didn't plan for our church to continue to have mobile type setup every week for the last eight years. This was not my plan. My plan was no, no more than two years here and we would be in a permanent place. That has not happened. It's not because we haven't tried or we haven't prayed or we don't want it to. It's just sometimes you got to have the right vision, and having the right vision allows you to have the right pace. Amen. And that's the thing about God. He's so good at being a pace setter. We get quick. We get in a hurry. We want it now. Anybody ever notice how how angry people are driving these days? Don't raise your hand if you're one of those. It's like, no, I don't notice. What are you talking about? Everybody's too slow. Get out of my way. Life in the fast lane. But man, people, in general, we want things to happen. We want it fixed. We want it better, faster, right? We have to refocus our vision. We have to come to the point of who is center. For us, it begins and continues with a refocus. To be able to see... That when we make and we keep Jesus the center, that he changes us, he sustains us, and he finishes the work he began in us. I shared this word two weeks ago, and I I put it down again because I just wasn't quite sure if I should share it again, but I feel like I need to share it again. If you've heard it, a lot of you have. Just roll with me. It's a prophetic word. I think the Lord has really given us as a church for this day and time, for right now, this moment. And is this? He says, "You are not your past. You need to move forward. I have made it possible for you to move forward without the reproach of your past. Your past can no longer define who you are. In Christ Jesus, you are a new creation." The heaviness is no longer on you. It has been rolled away. You are not a slave to the thoughts in your mind. You have a new mind, the mind of Christ. The future is yours for the taking. Pursue it with strength, courage, and confidence, knowing that your past is no longer chasing you. I have put within you everything to be everything I've created and called you to be. It's in you. Let it break forth and become what I've designed. You've got a trail to blaze. Don't look back, but look up and look out, for I am with you. I, the Lord your God, am with you. Familiar words that God told Joshua and in essence kind of summed up in these other guys' examples. God is with us. We just need to see it. We need to have the vision to be refocused. Amen. Will you stand with your feet? We're going to pray. Let's bow our heads. I'm not going to call anybody out or come up today, but if you are here today and you are like, man, I so need my vision to be refocused. I'm not seeing things the way I think God wants me to see them. I'm not seeing others the way He wants me to. I'm not seeing myself the way He wants me to. I'm not seeing this place of life that I'm in right now. If you just lift your hands, I want to pray for you from where you are. I'm at today. I see those hands. Bless you for your honesty, your hunger for the righteousness of God. Lord, I thank you so much that you see these hands. You see each one of our hearts, Lord. You see exactly where we are. Lord, today I pray just like you did with Moses and Joshua and Samuel and others, Lord, you would do it with us. You would let us have our vision refocused. Let us have that willingness, that want to, that desire to want to see the way you see. Lord, help us, Lord, to take the time to slow it down. To set ourselves apart a little bit. So we can get out of the chaos of the rat race of life. And we steal away a few minutes here and there in the evenings, during the day. Early morning, we do what we got to do, Lord, to get silent before you so you can speak like you did to Samuel. We want to hear. We want to listen. And God, we want it to take heart, take root in our heart. Open the eyes of our heart, God. Refocus our vision. I thank you, God, you will do things like that this week for those who were are desiring that, God, you will move in their life. As they take a step towards you, you say you will draw near to us. So I thank you today that you begin to move and we begin to see the way you want us to see, to make you, to keep you center in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.